You are listening to the Savvy Painter Podcast, episode number 285. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Savvy Painter Podcast. Hope you are doing well this week. I'm having an amazing time playing in the studio. You probably already know that I've challenged myself to do 100 self-portraits in 100 days, and I really wanted to use it as a way to experiment and just play. So I set myself some constraints. I'm doing 100 self-portraits, and for the first at least 50, I'm going to say, I'm going to do them in black and white, no color. So I'm doing all sorts of fun stuff, playing with materials, playing with textures and using collage and all sorts of different ways, like blind contour drawing, drawing with bamboo reeds, sticks, whatever occurs to me that day. I give myself an hour and a half every day to work on the projects. Sometimes I finish fast and I have a lot of time left, so I may jump over to another portrait. I have multiples going on and will sometimes decide to go back in to an idea with a different way of experimenting with it or something that I just picked up from another one that I just did. So as a result... I am getting lots of variety in the style of painting. On the surface, they may look totally different from each other because of the style and the techniques that I'm using to make them. So for those of you following along, you can see them on Instagram at Antrice Wood. I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode. But you'll notice that I'm bouncing around these different ideas. And I thought it would be a great opportunity to talk about the concept of our voice. A lot of artists struggle to find their voice. They often think that they don't even have one, which is absolutely false. To me, that's just crazy talk, even if it feels that way. I know you have a voice. This is such an important topic because thinking that you don't have a voice gets in the way of you creating your best work. There's often this fear that the work doesn't stand out, that it could be confused with anybody else's work on the wall, or that it's all over the place. These portraits that I'm doing right now are a great example of that. In this stage, as I'm creating them and posting them on Instagram, at least, I haven't defined a container for them or framed them to give them much of a context. I'm just kind of numbering them as SP for self-portrait, and then the number slash 100, so like 15 out of 100, and then I'm releasing them into the wild, so to speak. So I'm creating all these images that are stylistically different from each other. In a previous episode, I talked about clarity in what stage you are on. This is a real-time example of me playing in that first stage, the experimental, I'm just playing around and developing my skills or figuring out materials. This is a perfect example of me playing around in the experimental stage and being super clear with myself that that is exactly what I'm doing. So at the start of this, the thread that connects these paintings are simply that they are black and white and they are all self-portraits. As I move through the series, I will pick up other threads and I will start weaving them in. At this moment, I have no idea what those will be. And I'm not at all worried about it because I know that they are there and I don't need to know that right now. I think the real value of finding that thread that runs through your work and connects it all together is the clarity and focus it gives you while you create. 
That clarity and focus allows you to be certain about your work while you simultaneously have no idea where it's going to go. Let me say that again. That clarity and focus allows you to be certain about your work while simultaneously you have no idea where it's going to go. I can feel confident in my work while I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do next. And that is a beautiful thing. That is this sort of like paradox that we work with as artists. And I think it's really important to hold on to that. It feels counterintuitive at first, but it is so critical to creating your best work. That confidence that I bring allows me to use that not knowing to my advantage. The way that I'm thinking about that, not knowing what I'm going to do next, brings a sense of excitement and adventure rather than, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel really confused and uncertain, right? So it's the same thing, really. I don't know what I'm going to do next, but it's what we make it mean and what we think about the fact that I don't know what I'm going to do next. So by choosing to respond to this idea that I don't know what I'm going to do next with confidence by doing that, I'm creating safety and I'm being 100% present with my curiosity and I'm open to the possibilities in the present moment while trusting that my intuition, that higher self knows exactly what the future holds. I can be present in the moment right now while my higher self guides me into the future. So I don't have to worry about what's going to happen next. I just have to be here right now. I can stay 100% present because I have 100% certainty that I'm on the right path and headed where I want to go. Think about that for a minute. A lot of artists worry that they don't know what to say with their work. They don't see a connection between the pieces. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what they're doing. And they're all over the place with their paintings. So if you are one of those artists who thinks that they don't have a voice or that they haven't found it yet, this is the podcast episode for you. So first, let's just talk a little bit about what is your artistic voice. I think your artistic voice is already a part of you. I think you're born with it. You're not going to find it in a workshop or in a book or by searching the internet for it. It is the ability, it is the vision that you have, the ideas that you create by connecting dots from your experience, from who you are, from where you grew up, from all of these things. It's the ability to express yourself and communicate as a painter through colors and lines and shape and composition and the materials that you use. It is how you think about your art and how you think about yourself, the artist who creates it. Your artistic voice is your unique view that can't be imitated. Not because no one else will ever paint the same subject or use the same colors or techniques, but because no one can imitate your thinking, your vision, your obsessions, your experiences. Your artistic voice is the way that you combine your visual vocabulary into an idea that you have into an emotion that then lives on a canvas. It is your personal expression of your own ideas and your feelings and how you connect them to the world. When you look back on your life, no matter how old you are, most people, I think this is what I've discovered, most people are surprised to find that it is the little everyday moments that have the most meaning. 
It's not the big accomplishments or the milestones, although those do matter and they matter very much. But the little everyday moments, like sitting on the porch with a friend on an otherwise unremarkable day, it's the laughter of someone that you love or the morning ride to school with the kids or watching them play at the pool. These small, unremarkable moments make up a big and fulfilled life. I think it's a similar thing with your artistic voice. It's the small things. It's not the big grand breakthrough that takes the art world by storm. I see a lot of artists who are really dismissive of the very things that make their art unique. They don't think it matters. They don't think it adds up to anything. And I think they're missing the forest for the trees. The problem isn't that you don't have a voice. The problem is that you do have a voice. You just refuse to let it be heard. You're not trusting it. So trust your voice. Trust that you have one and that it is valid and it is worthy. That is your work. Now, I know a lot of you don't believe me. (laughs) I see you. You're going to want to argue and you're going to want to tell me that you're special and you have a unique set of circumstances. And here's the thing. You are special. I think you're special. And I'm sure your circumstances are very unique. But that doesn't mean that you don't have a voice. You might be so used to ignoring it that you no longer notice it. But trust me, friend, it is there. Okay, so you have a voice. Now the question is, how can you amplify it? So let's talk about listening to your voice. While you are creating, you are creating. You're listening to your intuition and you're following your gut. I like to make this distinction because while you are painting, you are painting. While you are assessing, you are assessing. So you paint and then you step back and you assess. Those are two different things. Those are two different thought processes that are separate. Even if it's that micro stepping back to look at the painting from across the room, while you're painting, it's still a distinct and separate act from assessing or from, I prefer to call it assessing because critiquing, it just sounds like you're using the word critique. I think for a lot of people, it conjures up a negative response. So let's just for now say that we're like, while you're painting, you're painting and while you're assessing, you're assessing. So This first step in finding your voice is to take the time to assess, to look at your work with curiosity and ask yourself, what do I like? What is a yes for you? Really think about that. What is a like, what is the hell yes about your painting that you really, really love? Ask yourself, what do I like about this painting? What marks do I especially like? What textures are lighting me up? What's the first thing that caught my eye in this painting? It's interesting. A lot of people have a hard time articulating what they like in their own work. And I think a lot of people have a hard time saying what they like at all, period. Because maybe you learned early on that it was better not to say what you like, not to say yes to something with full conviction. Oftentimes, I think it brings up fears of being wrong or looking stupid for a lot of people. Or maybe something happened that gave you evidence that it's better to keep your opinions to yourself. Maybe you were taught not to even have opinions because it could hurt somebody's feelings. Girls especially, I think, are often taught that. It's super common and it shows up in so many ways. There are tons and tons of reasons why we do this, but it's incredible how it can impact and be present even, you know, years and years later and even in our artwork. The biggest way that I see most often is 
when artists don't want to say what they like about their own work because they think that it's braggy or they think that it's arrogant. So I want to challenge you to practice finding a yes in the small things like, do I like pink or yellow? Do I like the thickness of that mark? Do I like to do lots and lots of fast paintings or do I like to take my time and really savor things on one single painting? Do I like super saturated in this right now? Or do I like something that's really muted and neutral? Don't overcomplicate it. Don't turn it into an unanswerable question by trying to decide if you like something in every conceivable scenario forever and ever. Amen. Just let it be a simple question so that you could answer definitely yes. The reason this is so important is because this allows you to practice discernment. I like this, not that. This is how you coax your voice out, even if it's been silenced for years and years and years. Encourage that voice to come out. Encourage it by saying, yes, I do like that mark. I do like that color. I do love that shape that I just made. And of course, we also want to think about the opposite, right? What is a no? What color combinations do you just not like? What types of mark don't work for you? What is it about your studio that you don't like? Again, don't overcomplicate it. And please don't get confused and make it like this existential commentary on who you are as a person or what your current skill set is and how it should be different. If you don't like something about your current skill set, get to work on improving it, period, end of story. That has nothing to do with your voice. You will always and forever be improving your skills. And your skills will, of course, allow you to become more nuanced in your work, but they shouldn't stop you from getting to know who you are as a painter. That is not necessary. You get to know who you are as a painter by making decisions about your work. I like this. I don't like that. I want to paint X, not Y. Every time you make that distinction, you strengthen your conviction, you strengthen your voice. Eventually, you can extend this to the nuances of subjects and emotion, but I've given you a really good entry point to start this practice. Okay, so it's a simple thing of just getting into the habit of saying, I like, this is a yes, I like this, or this is a no, I don't like that. So that is one thing that you can use today to find your artistic voice. The next thing that I think is really important, and it's somewhat related, but the next thing that I think is really important in finding your artistic voice is to start the practice of cultivating awe. So I'm going to tell you a little story. I was with a group of friends and all of their kids were running around and playing. I think there was like seven kids running around and playing, making things and just being really precocious and wild. And Male was showing me her drawings and she was making homemade Oreos at the same time. So she's going back and forth between the kitchen and the kitchen table, pulling out drawings and then making homemade Oreos without a recipe, just figuring it out as she went along. It's hilarious. Anyway, kids have this innate sense of awe and wonder. And I was fascinated because I had just heard this observation that Little kids spend a lot of their time absorbed in the moment and in an emotional state of awe. 
right? It's that emotional state of awe and wonder. Everything is magical and amazing. They get lost in nature. They get, they're just blown away by ladybugs and dragonflies and butterflies and fireflies and clouds and rainbows and lizards. It's just all magical and awesome. So much is brand new to them and it's easy to kind of blow their little minds. But as they grow up and they have more and more experiences in life, they also have less and less capacity for awe. By the time they're teenagers, they're not nearly as impressed by the world around them. And then when they get to be in their mid-20s, that capacity drops even further. And by the time they get into their 40s and 50s, it's said that the capacity for awe and wonder is in the single digits. It's like 1% of what we're initially born with. By the time we're in our 40s and 50s, we have 1% of the capacity for awe. On top of that, Many people consider having a sense of awe and wonder to be childlike, immature, naive. It's not serious. It's not professional. Just remember when you were a little kid and everything was just amazing. I was talking about this in Growth Studio last week, and one of the artists remarked that she thinks artists are kind of like awe hunters. And the more I thought about it, the more I just fell in love with that term. So as artists, we go out, we're searching for awe, we capture it on our canvas or in the work. And then we bring it back and we share it with our community. The other day, I was taking the trash out and I saw a walking stick, one of those insects that looks like a stick. It was like on the path to my front gate and it just like completely blew my mind. Like I was just like that, like I had no words anymore. So as I crouched down to get a closer look at it, it just kind of collapsed into itself. Like it was basically playing dead, but As it did that, it pulled all its legs in and it positioned its body so that it looked even more like a long stick. Like I watched it happen and I couldn't distinguish its legs or its head. If I hadn't seen it move in the first place, I would not have any idea of the magic that was on the path in front of me. I wouldn't know what I was looking at. So I got this big leaf and I scooped it up because I just got, I was like, oh my God, the dogs are going to like trample it. And Before I set it into the bushes, I got a good, good look at it, and it just looked like this really unremarkable knotted twig, like a long, gnarled, ashen, bumpy twig. And I felt so lucky to have seen it. Like I just even talking to you about it now and remembering it, I'm just like, holy crap, that was amazing. Pure awe. I was listening to a philosopher by the name of William Irvine. He was giving a talk about stoicism and our capacity for awe and how the experience of awe is such an amazing piece of the human experience along with its cousins like joy, delight, and wonder. And he also noted that we have such a capacity for it as kids because everything is new. And as we get older, we become jaded. So William Irvine mentioned this as well. The definition of jaded is dull, apathetic, cynical by experience or by having or seeing too much. By the time people are in their 30s and 40s and 50s, they've seen too many butterflies, too many lightning bugs, too many rainbows, maybe too many walking sticks to be impressed. Too much of the world around them becomes ordinary and dull. And I really believe that we artists, as Dana in my growth studio said, we are awe hunters or awe collectors. Artists get to experience so much more awe and have the capacity to experience it much more than the average person. I also think one of the gifts that we bring to the world is allowing other people the chance to experience it as well. 
We experience awe when we look at nature. We see art. We create art, listen to music, and explore science. Those are the kinds of things that as adults bring us awe, that we're not jaded by it yet. So we as artists, we can cultivate and practice awe for ourselves by looking for it and practicing delight in it. We can amplify that. We can cultivate it. We can do that by growing and cultivating our own art practice. We can create and experience emotions on purpose and use them while we create, use them intentionally in our creative process so that we create art that moves people into that place. We can create a world that is not quite so jaded. So often we're told to tone down our emotions. Showing your emotions is not professional. Allowing yourself to be in that state of awe and wonder, for example, is seen as naive and childlike. Being emotional is often seen as weak. Men especially are taught not to feel emotions. Women are constantly told we're too emotional, too sensitive, like it's a bad thing. I just read Brene Brown's book, The Atlas of the Heart, recently. And she quoted a study that found that the majority of people can only identify three emotions. This is a study that somebody else did, by the way. I don't know who did it, but I heard about it from in Brene's book, The Atlas of the Heart. So that most people can only identify three emotions, happy, sad, and pissed off. And it reminds me of the three primary colors that we use as artists. The spectrum of colors that we actually have is enormous. And there are so many delightful nuances within the full spectrum beyond just the three primaries. When we tap into the full range of our emotions, we are able to connect with the full richness of our human experience and to put that into our art. When we're willing to experience all of our emotions and learn to recognize emotions as distinct from each other and with all their delicious nuances, we enhance our capacity to create and we enhance our life experiences. Our emotions drive our actions. So cultivating the capacity to recognize and create our feelings on purpose is a game changer. It allows you to purposefully drop into the emotion that allows you to create your art. When you recognize those nuances, it allows you to create that on your canvas. It allows you to enter into a state of flow intentionally. And it helps you recognize and tap into your unique voice. Like that is what makes you you. Those are the things that distinguish you from any other artist. Being able to experience and identify the nuances of your emotions allows you to create authentic self-confidence so that you can take risks and be bold with your work. It allows you to fall in love with your work and the inherent beauty of what you're creating without attaching it to your ego or needing anyone else's validation while you're creating it. So that is another aspect of finding your voice. The results that you get when you do this, the results that you get from finding your voice is when you are clear on your artistic voice, you are decisive, which means that you create faster. You are more bold with your work and you take bigger risks with it. You don't second guess your ideas. You don't have that yes, no, maybe vibe in your head, it's either yes or no. So it doesn't like that yes, no indecisiveness doesn't come out in your work. A clear yes shows your conviction. It shows in how you make your marks. A clear yes allows you to go deeper into your ideas because you're not backtracking. 
It's not like one step forward, two, or even five steps back. It is one step after another taken with the conviction of, yes, this is what I want. This is where I'm going. Even if I don't know every single step in advance, I know I am on the right path, which means I have eliminated a ton of needless choices and I can focus completely on this path that I'm on right now. When you're not second-guessing your ideas and you have committed, again, you just don't indulge in second-guessing yourself. Now you can be playful and you can experiment within whatever idea it is that you have. You have the freedom in the decision and you have zero fear that you're quote-unquote wasting your time because you have that thread firmly in your hands and you know you're not going to get lost. When you tune into your artistic voice, when you learn how to identify it and you amplify it, you're also not going to fall down any rabbit holes while you're running after shiny objects, which means you're not looking at other artists wondering how you stack up next to them. If you're looking at other artists, it's from a completely different energy. It's not about comparison. It's about inspiration and collaboration and curiosity and awe and wonder. When you have found that thread and you're listening to your voice, you have a focus and a clarity both in your work and in your thinking. Your mind can play on a whole other level of creativity that is not hampered by the what ifs that come from scarcity and fear or from catastrophizing. Instead, you are in the abundance of your own curiosity and your own awe and your own wonder. And you're just so into your ideas so that when you ask, what if, it has the energy of infinite possibility in a good way. It has what if comes from the awe and the wonder and the curiosity and the amazing capacity of your humanness. And lastly, when you have found your voice and you are listening in and you're tuning into it, you have an intimate understanding of your own work. You're having that dialogue with your canvas, with your sketchbook, with yourself. So talking about your work becomes effortless. You're so into it and so excited about where it's going. It's like you're talking about a recent trip with your best friend and how that trip inspired you to plan another one. It's exciting and your excitement is contagious. You're able to share that sense of awe that you have cultivated. And that is what it means and what happens to find your voice. That's what I have for you today. If you want help with this, if you want to practice this, if you want to take the ideas that I've talked about in this podcast or any other of the podcasts that you've listened to recently, I want to invite you to join us in Growth Studio. Growth Studio is where we take these ideas, we put them into practice, we cultivate awe. We are the awe hunters. So if you would like to join us, you can go to SavvyPainter.com forward slash join. I would love to see you there. Have a great week, everybody. When you are aware of how powerful your mind is, you show up to your studio differently. You notice the abundant opportunities to level up your presence in the studio. And when you do that, you stop worrying about whether or not you have a voice because you know it was already there. Now your best work comes more easily. Join Growth Studio now. I show you your blind spots and help you create confidently. Just go to SavvyPainter.com forward slash join.